platform to the Women Power Summit, the largest event in MENA, with the aim of empowering women and helping them achieve their absolute highest potential. Each week on the Women Power Podcast, you will hear honest, vulnerable, authentic, real conversations from inspiring women. These women will share their experiences and stories into what it takes to build a successful business and career. The podcast will share insight and inspiration and hopefully inspire action and lead change. Dina Shabib has well over 16 years of experience working on financial and consulting projects. Her recent efforts have been focused on human capital development since she founded Itijah Coaching Services in 2010. In August of 2015, she founded Farahi, the first online store and resource for the Khaliji Bride, and she raised funds through Flat Six Labs. In her free time, Dina serves on the board of Aqal, an angel investment network based in Saudi Arabia. Dina was also the first female member to be recruited to lead the expansion of the Eastern Province chapter to include females. Dina is also a member of the Mohan organization that connects high achievers from around the GCC and provides them with a platform to benefit the society and economy. Welcome, Dina. How are you doing during uh, COVID? And have you been productive? And have you been anxious? I've been doing great during COVID. It's actually been a, a pretty good time for me. I've gotten, in the beginning... I got a lot of extra time on my hands and it was actually something that I really, really wanted and had almost wished for in February. And in this time, really, I'm taking, um, I'm focusing on two things. One, uh, myself, my own personal growth, trying to get more me time and trying to make it a habit and a routine, which I think I've achieved that. So I'm really happy about that. And then the other side is just on the business side, really just um, organizing and cleaning up and uh, going back into things that you've always thought you didn't have time for and just trying to put things in order, I guess, taking advantage of the time. And to be honest, we're not even that uh, that free right now anymore. Um, the first couple of months, maybe around Ramadan, but then after Ramadan, halas, things got uh, quite hectic. We launched a new program and it's taken up a lot of our time, my time, the team's time. Uh, but it's been good and it's been fun. And I've been quite positive and, and I, I'm taking advantage of this time and I'm enjoying it. So I'm really excited that you are finding this time really valuable. Did you have any bad days during this experience or did you have a day where you completely crashed or you had anxiety? How did you make a comeback from that? I did. I think every, every month I have a couple of days like that. And at first I used to feel really bad and I'd feel guilty that I've been given the gift of time and I'm not using it properly. And I feel like... I'm wasting time and I'm wasting this energy. But then there are days that you just don't feel like doing anything or you, or you literally just, you know, you don't have the same energy level that you normally do. And after a couple of those months, <laughs> and I think after chatting with you as well um, and a couple of other people, it's just, it's normal, you know? We are not in a normal time. Overall, I'm productive. I'm doing what I want to do. I'm happy. I'm in good spirits. So one or two bad days a month are okay. And I'm just, uh, I've learned to go with it. And if, if my body and my mind don't want to function at, at capacity, then I, I allow it. So let's zoom into this conversation of what's the biggest misconception of the job market during the pandemic? I mean, people are saying there's no jobs. And that's shocking to me because there are a lot of jobs. So what's interesting to me is I've seen companies really flourish during this time. 
And it's very interesting because some companies are doing well. Uh, online companies are doing really well. Supermarkets, certain F&B brands, telecom, business and innovation. There are people who are pivoting their organizations and I feel like they are looking for teams. They're looking for teams to fulfill the demand. I, I agree with you 100%, uh, but it's not only that. I think where the misconception comes from is that Yes, some companies have been struggling and some companies are cutting costs and they're trying to survive through this situation. So they are laying off some people. But at the same time, what you just said is true. And a lot of other companies have actually gotten more business and have found opportunities or have pivoted and therefore are growing. So it's not that there are no jobs. It's just that there's a change in the balance. So some people are getting let go, but then there's a lot of hiring happening as well. So if you're going to focus on the fact that, oh, this number of people have lost their jobs, yeah, it's, it's a grim situation. But you can change jobs. You can go and look for something else. Um, and there are a lot of opportunities out there. As a business owner, what do you look for when you hire someone? I look for a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I'm looking for someone who's actually interested. I mean, this, this is almost like a no-brainer, but I'm looking for someone who's interested to be working on the type of work that we do. Um, when someone comes in and, and I ask them, what do you want to do? And they tell me, I just want a job. That's, the interview has ended in my mind at that point. So that's no. I don't want to hire someone who just wants a paycheck. I want to hire someone who's looking to learn, to grow, to give, to add value to themselves and to the company. I'm looking for someone who is a good person. Integrity is very important. Um, I have fired people who've lied to me on the spot. That's it, because I think that's something very important. And one of our core values is integrity and quality. And if I can't represent that internally in my team, then how am I going to represent that externally to my customers and my clients? So I agree with you about company team member fit. I adore the people who come to us because they've been following us, they know who we are, they know what we're doing, and they like what they're seeing on our different communication channels because then I know that they want to work with us. Like you said, it's not just a job, you know, and, and you can tell like the people who are into what you're doing. So it doesn't matter if you're a fashion brand or you're a tech company, if they know what you're doing, if they're following you, if they're connected to you, if they're signed up to your newsletter, if they've seen some of your interviews, not just as the business owner, but just looked at the organization as a whole, I feel that by the time they come to you, they can speak your language, they can, they know what projects you're working on, they are keeping up with their news. It makes life so much easier versus someone who shows up, and this is one of my biggest pet peeves, but when they show up and, you know, the biggest mistake I've seen is just like, you know, have you researched our company and it's a flat no or I didn't have time or, yeah, I've seen your website or they try to, it's not lie, but like try to get, try to wing it. They're trying to wing the interview. They're not doing any work to understand who we are. So I have to sit there and explain to them for 15, 20 minutes who we are and what we do and what are our values when all that stuff is already online. I agree with you on that. And I think... I mean, I get a lot of emails with CVs and attachments and job requests and saying, you know, I'm looking for a job or I'm looking for an accounting job. And the ones that I really will read and look at are the ones that, that come to me and say, 
Um, I read about your company. I've seen, you know, the, the virtual internship program and I love what you're doing. And, and I really feel that I would fit in great in this because I've been looking to learn more about one, two, three. Um, so you know that they've exactly what you just said. You know that this person has done the research. They've been following you on some level and they already have identified that what my company does is something that they're interested in, which is great because we know that there are that, that we're, we're in sync. Um, so those I would definitely look at and I would definitely consider. And we've had quite a few people that we've hired through that, that kind of uh, introduction, and they've worked out really well. So recently, I've been doing a few virtual interviews with people that were hiring, and one of the things that I've picked up on, and I don't know if it's because I've been interviewing people for a while now, but something that's really, that never used to frustrate me that now really gets to me is when fresh graduates especially, because we hire a lot of young people um, in our industry. We really need like creativity, kind of fast pace, high energy level people. We, we So we look for young people who are dynamic, who can represent different generations and bring something to the table. And one of the things that has begun to really kind of egg me was in the interviews when when I'm interviewing the person they say like I'm, I want to come to your company to learn and I used to be okay with that like yeah sure you can come and learn from us but also like what are you bringing to the table and 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 sometimes I wonder to myself is, is that too much to ask for for a young graduate I don't think so everyone should be going to an interview figuring out how to add value and the importance of adding value so today I don't want to spend my time teaching people I want to learn from other people. I don't want to sit there and be like, let me teach you everything I know versus someone coming to the table and saying, listen, I'm a communications fanatic. I'm a PR fanatic. And I, this is what I know right now. And I've been doing all my reading and this is what I, these are some of my ideas. And I would rather hire a person that can bring something to the table versus someone who's like, I'm depending on you hundred percent to teach me everything, you know, I mean, I agree with you to some point on this because you have to also keep in mind, you're saying you're hiring a lot of fresh graduates, I'm hiring a lot of fresh graduates. They do have a limit to what they know and what they don't know, right? So I'm definitely not okay in teaching someone basic life skills. So I'm not okay in teaching you how to show up on time. You know, I'm, I'm not okay in, in teaching you how to that every time you come into a meeting, you have to take notes, even though we highlight this over and over and over. So there are some things that I think should be a given. You know, you're coming into a, into a dynamic work environment. You want to learn, that's great. But teach yourself the basics first and make sure you're, you know what you're doing um, and that you have a basic professional level, which doesn't take much skill. It doesn't take skill to be on time, right? I mean, it's pretty basic. So I think that's where I would look at it. Um, and definitely, I mean... People tell you they want to come in and learn. Um, and there are people that you're happy to teach because you give them guidelines and then they'll go in depth and they'll figure it out on their own. Uh, whereas you have a, another kind of person who literally wants you to spoon feed them everything. And very often those people aren't going to be learning as much as you or they want to because um, they're very dependent. So this brings me to my next question about life skills, learning professionalism, just which is something no one teaches you, like no one in university teaches you professionalism. You learn professionalism on the job. And I'm so surprised when I meet students or fresh graduates today who have zero work experience during university. So they're coming 
at 22-23, having spent four years studying only, if not four to five years. And that shows me that I'm going to have to train them the basics, like you said. So like how to show up on time and how to take notes and how to how to have hard conversations, right? Things that you learn in an internship-based level are things they're now learning during a paid job experience, which can frustrate the people around them because they don't know how to behave and you almost have to baby them. And I really don't want this to sound like a complaining session, but it's why do you think not enough students get work experience while they're studying so they can, by the time they graduate, they have a foot in the door? Let's talk about specifically in Bahrain. Up until the last, I'm going to say, four years, internships were not mandatory in universities. Some universities would offer internships to students. Some departments would ask for it, others wouldn't. It wasn't a graduation requirement. And in 2015 and 2016, we managed the national internship program under the Ministry of Education in order to, to give the opportunity to everyone who wanted to apply to get an internship. Um, and then after that, they became mandatory in universities. So today, every student who graduates from a university in Bahrain has gotten at least two months worth of experience because it's a graduation requirement. Now, how they treat that experience and what they get out of it, that's a whole other story because some of them will just look at it as it's a tick in the box that I need to get these eight weeks so that I can take it as a graduation requirement and I can graduate and I get my degree and then I can go look for a job where I can actually you know, make money or whatever your career goals are. I mean, I would, I would look at it from two directions. One. A lot of people have been raised to just get a degree, get a job, a job, any job that gives you a steady paycheck so that you are quote unquote secure and that's it. You go, you do your nine to five, you do your two to seven to two, whatever it is, without really considering the fact of career versus job. So where's the growth? Where am I going? What do I want to do with this? And passion. Do I even like it? Is this what I want? Is it meant for me? So these two things are not very, or until recently, have not really been a top consideration when talking about getting a job. One of the very common, I mean, I guess I can call this a pet peeve, but one of the most common situations that happens when I'm interviewing someone is as soon as I walk in, I sit down and I say, I have the CV in my hand, I put it on the table and I tell them, tell me something about you, tell, like, tell me a little bit about yourself. So I've given this person the opportunity to tell me anything they want to. And I'm going to say 95% of people will tell me their age, their degree, and when they graduated. Literally, I am 22, I have an accounting degree, and I graduated six months ago. So it makes me so sad that in the first few minutes where I've asked you to tell me whatever you want, you're choosing to tell me things that I already know and they're on your CV, and the CV is right in front of me, so you know I know how old you are and what your major is and when you graduated, because otherwise you wouldn't be here for this interview. So I think there's also a, a huge lack of creativity. It's very, very cookie-cutter, maybe almost fear-based. Like, I'm too afraid to say something because I'm going to say something wrong. So I'd rather not say anything or stick to something that's plain vanilla that can't be wrong. When I was in London, every, all the students, international students I knew, while we were in uni, 
got work experience. It wasn't mandatory. It wasn't part of our degree. Uh, it was like a given. People worked. People from China, India, everybody would be trying to get a job in the summer, whether it's paid or unpaid. It was just like a staple. And I wonder, as Arabs, why don't we have that mentality? Because I think that a lot of the Arabs I know got no work experience. And I really don't want to generalize. Again, I, it's maybe the, the circle of people that I was exposed to or connected with or saw or heard of. But why is it mandatory? Why do people feel from other countries' continents have this need to work and establish strong work ethic and beef up their CV and we don't? Is it that, where does the sense of entitlement come from? And how do we change it? I mean, I have a couple of theories. First of all, I think there is a group of students that are studying because they want the degree, not necessarily because they want to be competitive in the job market. So either it's a status issue or they feel that they're going to have a very easy time getting any job and they're happy with any job, not just a job you know, that they need to be competitive to get. Uh, so why work so hard when you can you know, do it the easy way, just go finish what's asked of you, do these credits, take the degree, go back home and, and get any job because you know, my uncle works in X company and he'll hire me. So that's one part of it. And I think the other one is, I mean, sadly, we do have a sense of entitlement for whatever reason. Um, and you see that, you see that every day. And I think it's even getting worse and worse with the younger generation because they see all these influencers and these YouTubers and they think that, look how easy that is. Why do I have to work so hard? I can just, you know, play video games and, and talk about them and I can make millions like this guy. How do we get people to want to figure out what they love and then go for that specific position? The problem is most people don't know what they want, especially at a young age. They might have an idea about a few things that they don't want. But realistically speaking, how can you expect an 18-year-old to choose a major and basically to choose what they want to do for the rest of their lives when they barely know how to get, you know, they're 18, right? That's what we do. We ask you at 18, at 17, to pick a major, um, to apply to university, to go and to study something, to choose something that you're going to do for the next four years. And once you're done with that, you're going to do that for the rest of your life. And a lot of people make the mistake of believing that a university degree is something that you have to use exactly in the field that you study, which I think just makes people more miserable because you're not going to redo your degree. Most people aren't going to, you know, in year three say, you know what, I don't really love this major. I'm going to try another one and take it for, you know, and stick around for another three, four years till I graduate with that new major. That's even if you had the, the luxury to do that because... Most of us at that age are influenced by our parents. And if you're studying abroad and your parents are paying your bills, they're not going to be okay with that. So it's a tough decision to really understand what is my passion at such a young age. For me, I went to, to university and studied, studied computer engineering. By year three, I realized that I hate programming. Like, I despise programming. But I have a year left. What am I going to do? Am I going to go and redo three more years? Am I gonna change my major? Am I even gonna be okay with that? Are my parents gonna be okay with that? I was studying in the US, I wasn't paying my own bills. So I had to finish, I had to finish my degree and I had taken some elective courses in business and finance 
And I knew that I loved business and I knew that I wanted to get into stock markets and into finance. But again, as a university student, do you really know? Like, have you done the research? So what worked out for me is that in those four years of university, I actually had four different computer engineering related jobs in different areas. Something was software, something was hardware, something was networking. And I was using that to really test, do I like this or do I not like this? And I did not like all of them. Um, some of them were okay, they were fun, I got some extra cash. But when I used to stop and ask myself, do I see myself doing this as a full-time job? It would make me so sad. Yeah, and that was a great opportunity because the day I graduated, I went and I applied for an internship in finance. And I got that internship. And then I went on and I did my MBA in finance. And I got my jobs, my career has moved in that direction afterwards. Because I was lucky enough to, to have done these experiments and figured out as soon as I graduated that I really did not like my major. This podcast is brought to you by O'Brien Hill. O'Brien Hill is a leading communications agency focusing on public relations, event management, and marketing. It's made up of a fantastic group of creatives in the design and PR fields. The agency first came to life in 2010 as my brainchild. Our creative consulting services were in demand in the UK after our online publication sketchbook became an overnight success. Much like a proud mama, our agency's namesake is attributed to the place of its inception, Notting Hill. It's now 10 years later and we're one of the leading communication agencies in town. And we as a team are incredibly proud to be working on this very podcast behind the scenes. Check us out on www.obianhill.com. Sometimes, Dina, I think it's also asking the hard questions. And you mentioned some of them. Do I enjoy doing this? Is this giving me joy? And you said, like, when I thought of doing this for a long time, it made me sad. Asking yourself these reflective questions, which no, like, I don't think anybody asks you these questions. I think you have to sit and just, like, we're not taught to self-reflect in that way or be critical or understand our moods and our emotions. Like, am I enjoying going to work? Am I excited to work? Am I liking this work environment? You know, if I don't like it very corporate, maybe I should start try a startup next or like a younger organization. You know, I like flexi time. I realize I love to pick my own hours versus nine to five. Asking yourself these questions, what would you like to do? What bothers you about this? What would, if you could design your job role, what would you want to have? When I was in university, I had, my friends used to call it Dina days. So there were days when I was just so fed up. I hated my courses. I hated whatever I was doing, so I would literally just drop everything and go to the beach. That's it. I don't care. I'm not going to class. I'm not studying for the exam. I'm not doing this. I'm going to the beach. And people will call me like, no, it's Dina Day. That's it. And I realized when I have too many Dina Days, it means I'm, I need to make a change. Like something that I'm doing is not right. Something is not making me happy. And sometimes you can't make a change. You know, sometimes it's, it's maybe this, this programming class that I'm taking that I just despise and it's making me miserable. So you just need to power through for the next two months until the semester is over and then try and have a more, you know, fun course load, if possible, the next semester. So, so yeah, like you said, people, we're not really trained to ask ourselves these questions, but, 
But everyone knows themselves. You know what makes you happy. You know when you're not in a good mood. You know, and I think on some level, everybody reflects. But I think, unfortunately, a lot of people are just complacent and and they feel that this is what I should be doing. Whereas there's really no cookie cutter solution. Everybody's different. Everybody discovers their passions in a different way. Um, and this is something we focus on a lot in our programs. Every single program that that we run has an element of career coaching. So I make sure that everyone questions their choices because it is possible to get a job that you love and you're good at. It's very possible. It's not a dream. And unfortunately, a lot of people think that that's a dream and it makes me sad. When I started my own business, people were applying to work for me even you know, as internships. And they were ap- applying in a super creative ways. There would be magazine articles about how cool the CV application process was to the creative industry. So I'm just going to give you a quick example. And I put this on my Facebook page ages ago. And I remember it got so much traction. We got an internship application sent to us by balloon. Like someone printed their CV on a balloon. It came in a cool wrapper. The, the wrapper was branded. And then it would say like, blow air in me and we'd blow it up and we did it like like everybody stopped what they were doing in my team and we looked at or we blew air in this balloon and then the cv was there it was the coolest thing we took a picture of it we posted it on on facebook and pre-instagram days and it was such a cool way to apply for a job i've seen people write their cv and illustrate like illustrators put drawings on a starbucks cup and send the starbucks cup as a a cup that's been like that had coffee in it by the way but it was just like doodled so beautifully with the cv i've seen people print out posters and take pictures of them holding their cv and and i think that's the stuff that sticks out to you it's not the 1001 stack of cvs that all look the same that really stay with you like i even remember those experiences versus you know the stack of cvs that i get that's just really dull so i think i mean i guess for me it's different i'm in the creative industry we love this stuff but i really appreciate that people customize their cvs and their cover letters and when the cover letters speak to me dina i'm sold if someone's like i know you i know what you're trying to do i understand your organization and I'm following your work, you know, I, you know, or, or even challenging me, like you posted something, I don't think I necessarily agree with it. But let me let me tell you why. I just would even skip the CV and ask for a job interviews with that person. Because I'm like, they know me, they're writing to me specifically, they're not copy pasting the same content over and over again. No, I completely agree with you. There have been quite a few uh, times where I've been so impressed with the applicant that I really don't care about the CV. It's almost like a formality. Just give us your CV because we need to have it on file. But I agree. But unfortunately, that's, that's the rare case, right? These are the exceptions that you're talking about. The norm is, is the other side of things. Um, one of the most common things that I still get, even though I talk about this all the time, is CVs that are sent with an email that says nothing. So it's literally just an attachment of your CV And even worse, sometimes you'll see in the bottom, it says like sent from Samsung. So it's like sent from the person's phone. Like they're just shooting out CVs and blank emails. And and sometimes we even see like 70 other people's email, you know, info at Betelco and da 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 da, all these other people that it's like one mass email. And and I wonder, like, do they really think that they're going to get a job like this? You know, and unfortunately, maybe they don't teach 
in university how to do this, but this is something that you can learn online in half an hour. I mean, you can Google how to send your CV and, and get so many tips, you know. I think there's just no excuse uh, because information is literally in our hands all the time right now. So even if they're not sending a, a detailed cover letter, uh, now, I mean, with emails, at least write down what you're applying for, um, say something about yourself when you're attaching your CV. Don't just send a, a blank email because those, those just get deleted. That's an automatic delete. It's not even like gone into a pile. So for me, I just, I love a well-defined, purposeful cover letter. And like you said, the, the CV is almost the, the formality, it's attachment. So it's, to me, it's used as a reference if you need to reference things. I don't care where you graduated from. I mean, personally, and I think people want to see skills. They don't want to see necessarily, you could have gone to the best university, but if you don't have the right skills to back it up, if you're not, if you don't know professionalism, if you don't know you know, innovation, like what use are you? You just graduated from a fancy school, but are you actually able to back that up with good skills? I remember uh, I ran into one of the, a graduate who was in one of our programs. And at the time that she was joining the program, she was in her third year. So she wasn't yet looking for a job. She still had a year to, uh, until she graduated. And she was a finance student. And finance students typically have, there's, there is a lot of finance graduates here. And typically a lot of them don't get the opportunity to intern at banks because banks are very picky with interns. And also they don't take a lot of interns because they have a lot of security issues and, and privacy issues. So if they do take interns, they usually take a small number. And a lot of them will not take interns at all because they don't want to go through the hassle of, you know, taking everybody through a security checks and, and all the background information. So it's typically hard for, for finance students to get a banking in, uh, internship. Um, so I saw this girl a year after she graduated from our program and she told me, she's like, I got a job at a bank. I got an internship at a bank. And she told me the name of the bank and I know the bank and I know that they don't take interns or they take like one intern a summer. And I said, that's amazing. How did you get this? And she said, I just went there and I, I asked to see the HR person and I just went into her office and I told her, I said, I want to work for you guys and I want to work and I'm going to work for free and I'll work whatever hours you have. But I just want to learn. So they hired her. I feel like people just stick to the, again, the very traditional route of I'm going to email my CV and then I'll just leave it to them. But if you really know what you want to do and which organization you really want to work in, then pick up the phone and be like, you're the only company that I want to work for. And I'm really focusing on you guys because I just I know I'm the perfect fit for your firm. And to me, that kind of pushiness, like kind of good pushiness is what can get you the role. I remember once my, the first finance job that I got, which I thought it was going to be very hard for me to get a finance job because I don't have a finance degree. I had an engineering degree, a computer engineering degree, and there were so many finance graduates. And I remember I wanted a finance internship and I was on campus um, on New Year's, the New Year's holiday, and everything was closed, classes were closed, people were off at their, you know, families or on vacations, and I didn't go anywhere, I was on campus. So I remember going around to uh, all the, the business school, the finance department, all the different areas where they had, like back in the day, I'm not going to say how long ago this was, but it, there were bulletin boards, and that's where job and internship posts would be. They would just be hung, um, and you can call or you can email your, um, your CV, but you had to like, this is how you find out about the jobs. And I went around, and um, phones did not have cameras, so I was 
I had a little notepad and I went around and I wrote down every single email and, and job post and phone number that I saw. Um, and then I sent my CV to all of them and I called them. And I got the job because the guy who posted it had posted it the day before when everybody was out. And I was just happened to be one of the first people to apply and he couldn't be bothered to go through CVs. They needed someone now. So he didn't even care what my degree was. He was just impressed that you are running around on New Year's Day looking for a job and you called me. So in your interviews, I'm sure at the very end, you ask the person you're interviewing, do you have any questions for me? That's a polite thing to do as well, just to kind of wrap up the interview. How are people's responses to that? Do you like getting some questions? Do you like it when someone's like, no, I'm good. We're, you've covered everything and they're kind of on their way. No, I'm definitely usually impressed when I get questions because it means the person is engaged and it means that they um, are interested. Some of the questions that I get are specifics about the company um, or specifics about what that person would be doing or what this position entails. The worst question that I hate getting is when people ask me about a salary, especially at the first interview and they're usually like fresh graduates. Or if it's like with the decision maker, somebody who you know, is at a top level kind of of the company that they're applying for. It's like, what is the salary expectation? Because I feel like that's such an AHR question. Learning when to ask those questions is really important. But again, I'm not a big believer in creating obstacles for yourself. Like, don't turn people off early on. Okay, another question that, that annoys me is when people ask me about office hours. That actually shocks me more than annoys me. It's like, seriously, you want to check out at 400? That's it? That's what you're looking at? Because if you have to send an email and it's 405, are you going to send it? Or are you going to pack up and say, mm, I got to go now. I'm clocking out. You know what they're thinking? They're trying to condition the HR managers or the business owners or whoever. They're trying to condition you to say, listen, I'm ch like, you are not going to take advantage of me. I'm going to leave at a certain time. I'm not going to be working all the time. I want work-life balance. I want to spend more time with my kids. Not necessarily sometimes to like spite you or to be mean, but just to say like, you know, I want to work out or I care about other things. So I just, I need to have more balance. So here's the thing, like I'm totally okay with people leaving at four, five, six, whatever the end of day is. However, when you're working, you are working in those eight hours. That means you're not taking coffee breaks every two hours. You're not procrastinating you're not walking around the office you're not chatting away uh, you're actually doing the work so then when you leave at four or five you've had a good day's work but when things are late and things are piling up and you're already behind and you're like I'm leaving at four or five I don't care if there's a big presentation tomorrow or we have a client then that was very concerning to me super concerning but also uh, I mean with regards to the work-life balance I mean we don't work till 9 p.m. every day. And, and I completely respect someone who in the interview will tell me, I am looking for a job that provides me with work-life balance. And, and for um, some people will explain why, like some people will tell me, you know, I just, I just had my second child, I wanna spend more time. So, you know, I, I need to, I want to be able to work in a job where I'm able to, to have that balance. And I respect that. And I will make the decision if this person is going to be a good fit or not based on that. And I agree with you as well. If things are getting done during the day, by end of day, thank you, goodbye. But every now and then, I mean, we're in service businesses, right? So sometimes we have clients, sometimes we have things that you have events 
in evenings and, at, and on the weekends. We have workshops on the weekends. So every once in a while, there are things that are happening outside of the work typical business hours. And I'm looking for people who are flexible, who, who are able to put the goals and, and the deadlines of the company as priorities. Have you seen parents impact the behavior of any of your employees? I have seen parents impact performance of employees, both in a negative way and in a positive way. I had an employee once whose mom just all of a sudden refused to, to watch her daughter anymore and told her, just resign. Don't work anymore. You don't need to work. Just don't work. And the girl had career goals and, and maybe she didn't need to work financially, but she was creative and she had goals and she wanted to grow. So that caused a lot of, you know, challenges for her. But I've also seen the opposite. I've seen when parents are really supportive and they encourage the employee. You can see how they, you can feel when someone is supported, you know, they're more confident. They're able to, to take decisions. They're able to take risks. And I think this is just all around, right? This is not just about your job. Anything in life, if you are supported, if you feel that the people around you, your parents, your your spouse, your whoever it is that you interact with on a daily basis, when they're supporting you, you're stronger, right? You have more conviction in your decisions. You're less, you doubt yourself less. Our parents are from a different generation. Completely. There was job security. There was abundance. The world is changing so fast. How we do business is changing so fast. How we live and sleep and react is so fast. We're trying to catch up versus trying to slow it down. So I just feel like to be competent globally, you need to just be on top of your game. You can't be kind of on cruise mode and checked out if you're a career-driven person. I completely agree. And, and this is one thing we also we always tell our interns. Um, if you're coming for a two-month internship, and you really work at it, you will leave with six months worth of experience that a fresh graduate would get, not internship experience. Six months worth of proper work experience. But then it's up to them, right? They can either do the work, they can ex accelerate their learning, or they can take it slow and, you know, no problem. Here, two months, sign, thank you, go, graduate. So can you tell me a bit about some of your, the experiences you've had with A players? What did they do right and, and how long did they stay with you? I currently have a star player and I would say, if I'm going to say like main characteristics, eagerness to learn. She does not submit mediocre work, so makes, makes sure that what she's handing in or what she's completing is, is as per the assignment and it's perfect. Has no issue with you know, I'm working too much or I'm working too little. Not to say there's no work-life balance. Every once in a while, she'll take her vacations, she'll take day, days off, and she manages her schedule. But when there's a lot to do, when we have extra work, she'll do more than what's asked. Um, so she's someone I can depend on, and she works with integrity and quality. And she's trying to accelerate her learning. She really wants to move up, she wants to grow, she wants to get promoted, and she wants to be better. On, on every level of every different project that she handles. So I think that's someone that, that I would consider for, in general, those are the characteristics. I mean, I've had a, a couple of other star players and I think I would say it's been the same with all of them. And I think maybe one key thing is communication. Because if you can't communicate well with your, with your team and your, your boss, you're going you're gonna to personally suffer because you're not going to be able to communicate when you're stuck on things. You're not going to be able to communicate when you need more time, when the deadlines are too tight. 
because as, as entrepreneurs, when you have star players, you often end up giving them more than they can handle. And I tell them, it's your responsibility to tell me when you have more than you can handle because I'm not keeping track of everything that's on your plate. Uh, so I think communication also is very, very important and timely communication. Don't tell me Thursday night that we have passed a deadline because you had too much to do. You know, let me know before and we'll rearrange things. We'll reshuffle the load. There are multiple solutions always. I really wanted to share the perspective of two business owners, what we look for, and the fact that there are jobs available and maybe joining a startup or a small team is not for you. And, and again, get to know your personality, get to know yourself, to know that, you know, I love structure. I love nine to five. I love routine. If you know this about you, then do not apply for a job at my company or yours. Work for a company that offers that solution for you or that environment for you. So I think also knowing your personality type, like if you want to go to the gym at 4 p.m. every day, don't join an events management company. It's not going to work. We have events in the evening. We need some work on the weekends. So I think, um, yeah, just really get to know who you are and get all the mistakes done during your internship. It's really about being proactive and trying to figure out what do you like and what do you not like. And, and if you can do a couple of internships, that's great. If you don't get the opportunity, take advantage of the first year or two of your career. Make that your search. Don't go and take a job and then three years later decide, mm, I don't like this, I want to start over because it's going to be harder to go back to the bottom after some time. So um, really take advantage of, of any kind of training opportunity you get, any kind of program. Uh, even if you don't like it halfway through, that's great. I tell, them people that, I tell people who don't like what they're doing that this is an amazing discovery. At least now you know. So you're not going to do this again. You're not going to make the same mistake. And you can move on and you can keep discovering until you figure out what do I like? What's my passion? And what kind of job do I really want to go for? I just hope this pandemic is not an excuse for people not to continue to learn and work. I think there's, like you said, so many programs. There's, you know, there's Masterclass and Skillshare and the Han Academy. And there's so much online content, like learn how to code. You know, that's useful. And go where you're most excited, but just don't sit idle waiting for this to be over and waste your time. Even if you were expecting a paid job, get an internship during this time. Uh, you know, you basically are not getting, you know, wasting any money on, on petrol and food and, and the usual stuff. So you can just kind of stay home and get work experience. And I actually think that after now yeah, doing this virtual work for a while, it actually provides other opportunities that are potentially missed when we're back in our uh, regular traditional type of day-to-day -day job, you know, in the office. One thing is, for people who are joining, like new, new uh, hires or interns, they're able to learn a lot more right now because a lot of companies are, are going back and, and kind of reorganizing things and, and going back to older projects. So for someone new, they're going to get exposed to a lot of things that they wouldn't typically get exposed to because of the way business is being done right now. Um, so it's an amazing learning opportunity. And with regards to getting paid or not getting paid, I mean, we always tell interns that these six, eight, 12 weeks that you're working are more valuable than any paycheck you can be getting. So you really should not be focusing on, on, on the payment at all or on your salary. And very often, uh, companies will say that this internship is unpaid, but if the intern impresses them, they'll get a bonus in the end. So if you decide from day one that you're not gonna take this internship because it's not paid, well, it probably is paid, 
but they just don't want you to decide based on the fact are you getting money or not because the whole point of the internship is to get the training and to learn and to add some value thank you so much dina this was excellent i mean it's again very different but i just felt that it was such an important topic i think i've been bombarded by all this content and these celebrities you know saying these virtual keynotes to all these graduates and i just i feel sad seeing a lot of people graduate in a really strange way online or through zoom and i just wonder how they're feeling and i just really wanted people to feel that they can still work they can still get work experience that's it for this week thank you for listening to an episode of the women power podcast and thank you for downloading and streaming our podcast every week if you love what you've heard tag us on instagram and follow the women power podcast and Women Power Summit account for more information on our next episode. Please leave a rating review wherever you get your podcast. It really helps other women discover the show. That's it from me. See you next week.